Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk Show. Phone lines are open right now, but this show is strictly for men only. We have a few rules, and they are absolutely no profanity, no politics. This show is apolitical and race neutral. However, we're going to get a little bit racial tonight um, with this topic. So if I might ask you guys to keep it classy, you know, keep the the side jokes and the comments, the racial stuff to an absolute minimum. We're going to have a healthy dialogue this evening. Um, And tonight's topic, um, oh, excuse me, Um, this ain't Bible study, by the way. Um, Tonight's topic, the other side of marriage, the other side of marriage is the topic. My name is Rodney, and I'll be your host along with my co-hosts, Tony and Darren. If you do have something to say, please feel free to do so, or if you just prefer to listen, that's absolutely fine as well. But please find your mute button right now and kindly put your phone on mute. All right, with all of that said, let's get started. On a crisp spring Sunday morning back on March 26, 2006, the Washington Post newspaper printed an article entitled, Marriage is for White People, that was written by a black female writer and author by the name of Joy Jones. Joy writes that she enjoyed a close relationship with her own father, so when it came time to date and marry, she made a conscious decision that she wanted a husband not a live-in boyfriend or a baby daddy. Now, Joy's conscious decision seemed noble enough until the sixth-grade students in her class gave her a little dose of reality. In the article, Joy writes that she was surprised when one of the black boys in her class said that being a good father was a very important goal to him. That's wonderful, she said to her class. Then Joy says she was thinking about inviting some couple, inviting in some couples to talk about being married and raising children. One of the other black boys immediately objected. The boy said, and I quote, we're not interested in the part about marriage, only about how to be good fathers. And that's when it happened. Yet another boy chimed in and said, and I quote, marriage is for white people. And this is a true story, fellas. So what do y'all think about all of this? What do y'all think about all of this? That's pretty sad. Mm -hmm. Can you, okay, it was a a Caucasian kid that made the comment that marriage is for white people? No, they're both black kids. The black kids made the comment. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And it, it was it because something was going on in his family that uh, that he made that comment, or I think it was just their environment where they grew up. It was this was uh, taking the, the classroom was in Southeast DC. Okay, well that's 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 answer number one. I mean that's the answer to the question <laughs> because any kid that grows up in the inner city. I'm going to say most kids that grew up in the inner city, um, they take on that persona, that mentality. You know, I know I did all the way up until, you know, I was I was so naive to the fact of what a father was that I thought a father was whoever your mother was with at the time. 
And that's it's funny now, but at the time, uh, that that's what my circle thought. You know, it's whoever your mom is with, then that's your daddy. I had no clue who my real dad was until later on in life. But when I was that young, I, I often thought that. So it's easy it's easy to think if you're around a lot of kids that that say that or that feel that way, it's easy to, to, to leak off into that thought process, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Are these 12-year-old black boys right? Marriage is for white people? <laughs> for me, um, I'm, I'm a white person. And for me, I feel like, you know, like just because of, your race, it doesn't make any difference. I mean, there's there's good and bad in every race, and there's there's good and and you know it could be good for like what I see with with Rodney with his with with you with your your wife and everything like that. You know, that's a good marriage. I mean, mm-hmm. there's good marriages in every single race. It's all in how you how you react. I mean, and how you treat the people and you know, I, I understand that like there's a different cultural thing, you know, that that go on and you know, like yes, in inner cities, but like there's just as much gang activity and white fathers running out on their kids and you know, it's it's just as bad for for the white white race as it is for any other race, in my opinion. Okay, well, here are some brief facts, and thank you for that, brother. Um, here are some brief facts and figures that Joy included in her write-up. The marriage rate for blacks has been dropping since the 1960s. Today, blacks have the lowest marriage rate of any racial group in the United States, at just 26% of black women who are married today. According to the 2001 census data, 43% of black men and 42% of black women in America have never been married, compared to 27% of white men and 21% of white women that have never been married. Black women are the least likely in our society to marry. Between 1970 and 2001, the overall marriage rate in the United States declined by 17%, but for blacks, it fell by 34%. And just last year, in 2013, the marriage rate hit a new low, and that's for all races. Um, So with such dire statistics, uh, how did we get here, fellas? How did we get here? How do we get here? I think, if I may go, um, Rodney, uh, this is Matt. Um, my, hey, my, big, my biggest thing is I think, especially with the young African, African-American men, um, since the 1960s, the African-American men have been totally stereotyped and portrayed in a certain way in the media, and it's become, except whether it's in the music industry, whether it's, whether it's in the 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 uh, Hollywood industry or whatever the, the movies or whether it's the news, um, there's a stereotype that is portrayed over and over and over in in, in the media that 
a young black man um, in order to be accepted is a player. And you see a lot of black women who are over-sexualized. But they, they are, um, whether it's the rap videos or whether it's uh, the, the Hollywood or whatever, and that has been accepted um, by by society, I think. And uh, I think a lot of young young um, young men and women um, in the African American community have accepted this as, as as normal. Now I'm not I'm I am overgeneralizing it. I'm not trying to say everybody is that way, but I think sure. that it has been uh, has been accepted that in order to be it, there's this stupid stereotype: if you're successful, you're acting white. Or if you're, or if you're, 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 you're married, you're acting white, which is, is such a lie that has been um, pushed into a lot of these young people's minds through media, through television, whatever it is, and then they grow up with many of them grow up without a father, um, so it, it, it's just a continual cycle. It, it started in the '60s, and it, it, I mean, when you look before the '60s, the 1950s, 40s. The African American family was strong. The, 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 the civil rights movement wouldn't have happened without the strong African American family. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you really look at what the media, even now, I mean, you see a there was a riot in a white community. There was no coverage whatsoever um, this past week over that that community that was white. Um, but they're constantly focusing on Ferguson. So to me, it's, it's, a, it's a huge media bias. It's a, it's a stereotype that's continually um, portraying young African-American men and women in ways that they shouldn't be portrayed. I know a lot of young men. I know a lot of uh, uh, African-American men and women who are not over-sexualized, and they're not out there doing all this crap you see in the media, in the BET videos, and all this stuff. But it's just it's, it's something that uh, needs to change. And to be honest with you, it, it's, it really it comes down to the parents just turning that TV off, and and, and talking mm. to their parents, talking to their kids. I think, and 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 showing them what the role models should be, um, whether it's through the father or the mother, or, or or giving them good examples besides what's in the media. Because a lot of these kids, they're getting it straight from the tube. They're getting it from their music. They're getting it from social media. They're getting it from the TV, and they don't turn it off. Again, from the internet, they don't turn it off, and it's it's, it's it, to me it's, it's really a parental uh, problem that needs to we need to switch it. Again, overgeneralizing. I'm not saying it's everybody. I'm saying that um, it's not, and it's not just the African American uh, community anymore. It's there's there's a lot of white kids, there's a lot of Hispanics that are following the same way because the media, the TV, the the music. All this stuff, the social media is is a huge draw, and it's becoming the teachers for our kids instead of the parents. I, I do agree that the uh, the downfall of the family uh, started in the '60s, um, and I believe we can track it back to a couple of different things. Um, first of all, the um, welfare state um, that came in 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 the mid to early '60s basically stated that if there was a man in the house, you weren't going to get any money. So it devalued the man, um, mm-hmm. and it paid uh, more to have more babies. Um, mm-hmm. So devaluing the man and teaching 
uh, teaching women they didn't need men, I believe, was the was the beginning steps of that. Um, also, uh, in the early '60s, we started pulling God out of everything, out of the schools, out of out of everything, um, and starting to say, "Well, you know, whatever feels good, do it." Yep. Um, so all those seeds were planted in in the mid to early '60s, and you know they came into fruition. Um, in the late 70s when these kids started growing up and in the 80s when these kids started having kids and now we're in the second and third generation of kids having kids and that system that said you know men are not valuable as long as you don't have a man in the house we'll pay you um, the liberal welfare state is what would really crush the family in my opinion I totally agree I totally I think the undermining of a men and family Families. It started to me. To me, it started with the African American family. It's now. It's going into all races. They're trying to just basically undermine and say that men are not important. And we're seeing the results of our children um, who are coming up, and they're doing whatever they want. They're they're just do it if it feels good, whatever and stuff. So I think it's it's a it's a huge uh, huge problem. Yeah. And, I, and and you're both right. And according to sociologist um, Andrew J. Sherlin, a black child was more likely to grow up living with both parents during slavery times than they are today. So do y'all think that the view of marriage among whites is different than the view of marriage among blacks? Just the idea or the concept of marriage. Do y'all think that Whites and blacks view marriage differently. I think so. Yeah, I think so, and and that's because, um, again, it it really you know the devaluing started in the black community with the welfare state, okay, and and telling the black the black man he wasn't worth anything, and you know he wasn't this, he wasn't that, and I mean what you're teaching him is okay, well you know. Hit and run just for fun, you know the, the 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 divorce rate amongst blacks and whites, and you know before that was 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 you know the same. There was no you know the black family was intact. Okay, you may have been poor, but it was intact. And when 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 that destruction, and I believe in my opinion, you know it was it was a planned destruction. Yep. Um, to offer him a little, a few dollars, not to have daddy around, you know, I believe that was a, that was a planned destruction. Mm-hmm. I sound like Gary Fells now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when she gets pregnant, who's who, who's more likely to end up having a shotgun wedding, a white couple or a black couple? When the the, the woman gets pregnant, who's who's more likely to have a Shotgun wedding, a white couple or a black couple? I think a Puerto, a Puerto Rican couple. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah, I think that's more of a class issue more than a race issue. I think the well, shotgun uh, wedding is going to be more of like your upper class who don't want to show shame or whatever, um, or or look or or kind of um, what do you call it? Um, say face or whatever. I think it's a more of a class issue. More than than it is a race issue. I agree with that too. I, I agree that it's more of a class issue too. It's, but 
at the same time, I like I think that you know if and and the lower class people, lower income, lower class, just like they said earlier with the welfare and everything else, it's okay. Well, you know, no big deal. No big deal that you know you went and got pregnant. Let's you know you can have it. You ain't got to have your have the father around. But at the same time, like go back to the sixties, even. You know, my grandmother, if she'd have got pregnant out of wedlock, it's like it wouldn't have mattered if you were white, black, or in between there. In those days, you know, it's it's it was you don't do that just because of the stigmata with it. Now it's becoming more, you know, like just more the norm because of social media, TV, like the the loss of God and everything, the loss of God and the loss of God in marriage now. I mean, every day you're hearing about gay marriage now, and that's it's completely okay. And you know, biblically, it's it's not supposed to be. But, you know, that's, you know, it, what is marriage anymore? Like, my wife and I were talking about it the other day. When it, when it came to gay marriage, the only thing that they really want out of it is the, you know, the same rights as a, a married couple with taxes and, you know, yep. blah, 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 and everything else. They want to be able to have the same rights. And... It's not about, and, you know, like, it's not being instilled in our kids anymore that marriage is what you're supposed to do. Before you have sex and before you get married and before you have children, you're supposed to be married. Mm-hmm. I think this, this is Jeff. I, I grew up white, middle class, and somebody made a comment that uh, upper class would see more shotgun marriages, but... In my family, most of my cousins have been to uh, a dozen, a dozen shotgun weddings, and these are all, you know, middle class white. And uh, whether whether the father is in the house or not, um, I've also seen, you know, cousins who say, "Well, I'm not going to be like my father was." So, mm. um, just having a father in the house doesn't mean. You're you're gonna have the golden life either. Hmm. That's, that's, can I ask a question? I go think ahead. somebody else is trying to speak. Somebody else is trying to go ahead. I'll go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Welcome. Somebody had a question. Hey. Somebody was trying to speak. Hey, what's up, Gary? Welcome, man. Not much, man. Um, no, no, I had, I had a question. Yeah, I had a question. Um, uh, have any of you um, Caucasian brothers ever been to a shotgun wedding in your family and the woman was marrying the opposite race or, or like a, another race? Yeah. Um, I've never been to a Caucasian. I've never been to any kind of shotgun wedding. But, I mean, I'm, I'm married to a, um, a, a black woman. And stuff. So I, I don't. As far as Caucasian, like like an actual uh, shotgun wedding, no, I, I've never been to one. Okay, well, how now, about now, is your wife black or is she African American? She, well, she's African. I'm messing with you, man. 
<laughs> you know, you know who she is. <laughs> but now, now, the reason why I ask that is because um, is it accepted um, in your family to a brother who's, who's married to an African American wife? Um, is it accepted in your family widely, um, or was it was it common or uncommon in your family to see that going on? Because well, I'll tell you the whys after after you answer that question. Well, for, well, for my family, I mean, um, the interracial uh, what do you call it? Interracial marriages was more common between white and Mexican. Um, all of my 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 all of my dad uh, dad side. Um, or are of Hispanic origin, and they married all white women. Um, so as far as interracial, if you consider that interracial, I, I do. Um, that was accepted. I am the first one who who ever kind of crossed that barrier and and married a a black woman. And to be honest with you, I mean my immediate family, they had no problem with it at all. My brothers, sisters, mom and dad. Now that I, I wouldn't introduce my wife to many of my extended family. Because I don't, I don't know what would happen. To be honest with you, I just don't trust them to. That's that's. She she hasn't met a lot of my extended family, especially on my 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 um my mother's side, who 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 are forgive the forgive the phrase a little redneckish. Um, so uh, <laughs> they, uh, they they she just hasn't hasn't met them and. And stuff. So as far as my immediate family, they have no problem. They've we've we've had no problem uh, meshing. But extended family, when you get removed another generation um, or two, it yeah, those people are going to have to die off in order for them, in order for that kind of racial problem um, to go wait, away. Wait, wait, wait. Are are you the face of the married men don't talk show? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because uh, cause, I mean that that's no. the reason why I was the re- reason why I asked that question was because it seems like in the in the uh, black Amer- black American community, it's more widely accepted that their race marry outside, going Caucasian side, than it is for like you said your extended family or your mom on your mom's side. There you don't know you don't even trust them to even meet your wife. And how long you been married to her? Um, almost five years. Uh, it, it's not so much that I don't trust them. I think they would they would treat her respectfully in front of me and and stuff. I think that it's just it would be an uncomfortable feeling. They don't they don't they've never been around a lot of my extended family have never been around black people at all. Um, so it would be more of a an uncomfortableness that I don't want to put my family uh, around rather than uh um than I don't think they would be outright like just extremely racist um but i mean with my wife's family her her family is um intermarried with um um caucasian mexican uh, uh hispanic as well so it's not a big deal on their side either right I, yeah it's all it's i mean i'm not gonna say it's always like that but it's more accepted that someone black take on someone white than someone white on their family in their family take on someone black uh, I don't know if it's because I mean this is a great topic because I, I I get a chance to talk to somebody that's Caucasian that hopefully gives me the inside scoop of what they really think about as far as um because and the reason why I asked this because my daughter um she she wanted she introduced me to 
um, a Caucasian gentleman that 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 was that took interest in her at her school, and um, and I said I wanted to meet their parents, and uh, it was an awkward conversation when all of us sat down at the table. I just I just put it like that. Um, they didn't know what to say, but they didn't want to go against. They want their son to try everything, and they didn't want to seem like they were racist. I don't know if they were or not, but we had nothing in common. They didn't know how to talk to us. It was just, and we were trying to, it felt like we were trying to tug teeth just to get conversation. And and they were quite confused, I guess, as to us, because this was their first time being around black people. And they expressed that. So it was kind of awkward for them to have talked about black people in their private home and then they're sitting in front of black people talking about their son dating a black girl. So I just wanted to know if it's, if it was like that on your mom's side that you see a lot of, um, uh, did they tell racial jokes coming up and then all of a sudden they, they're around what they talked about or spoke negatively about all this time and now they have to try to behave themselves. If um, I, well, I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, brother. Oh, uh, well, what I was gonna say is, is, is that with with my mom's side, my dad's side, uh, coming up as a child, I didn't realize there were racial jokes. Um, um, I realized later that so, there were some racial jokes um, and stuff, and I did approach my my parents because I've always been, even even though I've always been attracted to to women of color. So it's it's something that it, it's in me. It's not just uh, I'm, I gotta have a. It, it's just a preference. Um, so I, I when I went to college, I talked to my parents. I was like, what what if I bring a a, a black woman home? And they said, well, that's fine. They, we have no problem with that. And but they said, well, well you just can't come. You, you probably wouldn't want to live in a small town because and and the reason I say that is that in this in this country. W- even with all the the games that we've had, we are really segregated. There are very few there are few, very few uh, areas like DC that's kind of intermixed. Um, right. Uh, so where I grew up, there was no black people. We the only time we saw black people was when we we played them. We played a team, Bridgeport, um, from Saginaw, which was kind of a populated area. It was a city. Um, they came to play us football, basketball, and that's it. We saw them maybe once or twice a year, and that's it. Um, we never really, there was no integration and stuff, and I, I think that's that, that kind of lends to the awkwardness because mm-hmm. African-American families have a different culture than white families, and coming together and having something to relate about, you really have to, you really have to put yourself out there and just kind of try. And, and I think uh, my parents... It was awkward a little bit at first, and then they started talking, and they 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 understand that there's differences and stuff, and it it, it became comfortable and stuff. So I think it's more of just uh, a lot of a lot of families have never experienced that culture within their. Uh, it's just a different culture, and, and people are always kind of fearful of of different things and stuff. And once you get in there, it's not it's not too bad. And stuff, but but yeah, it's, I think it's normal to be. We, I think we live in a, like a great area here where you, I mean, you have neighbors that are African American, Asian, 
Hispanic, white. I mean, all, a lot of these uh, neighborhoods are very integrated. That's not the type mm-hmm. of uh, neighborhood that I grew up in. It was all white. Oh, okay. The other guy wanted to say something, too. Yeah. Um, like, well, for me, 20, what, 24 years ago when I started dating, if I had brought him an African-American woman or a girl, my father would have killed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was racial jokes. He said he always said I'm not racist, but he was it, like he he told racist jokes. Um, yeah. Now, now if I was, you know, after all these years, if I was to bring home a woman, if I before I got married, if I had brought home a woman that was of another race, it wouldn't be a big deal. Um, just like even just through that many years, you know, 25 years or whatever of that, I mean, like, it, it, it's changed for them. Um, yeah. It's more about, well, as long as you're happy. You know, um, my brother, my sister, and myself all dated um, outside of our race, but we kept it hush-hush. Um, yeah. For me, like, I was always attracted to darker-skinned women. I was always attracted to Hispanic, light-skinned black girls. I, you know, like, that's what I was attracted to. I ended up getting married to a white woman and settling the first time that I mm. got married because I didn't, I wasn't allowed to date the person, you know, the people that I, that I was attracted to. And right. I thought it would be a problem. Um, but this, with this marriage here, I actually, I, I fell in love with a white woman just, just happened to be, that's who I fell in love with. And I had said, you know, flat out, if I find somebody that's different race than me that I fall in love with, so be it. I'm, you know, like, I'm not going to worry about what my parents think, what whoever thinks anymore. Right. And hey, can I ask you a that, question? The gentleman just yeah. talking real quick. Um, what would be your parents' justification um, of not um, of not um, condoning the, that relationship? What would like? What would they say? Like, what would they, why, what would be the reason they would say you can't do that? There was never any reason. It was just you don't date outside your race. I mean, that's what was told. You don't date outside your race. I think, I think one of the one of the biggest reasons, and I think it's the stupidest reason I've ever I've ever heard of, and I've heard it from both sides, black and white. They always say, "Well, what about the children?" And to me, I'm like, race racism is is something that is taught. It is not. If you look at these kids out here, they're playing. They don't care what color of skin they they are. Exactly. Yeah, so, to me, I mean, I've I've heard that reason a lot. What about the children? Uh, you're gonna have um, children of color. They're gonna ha- they're gonna have more problems than say a white. They're child. gonna be picked on. To me, that's crap. It, it really is. I mean, because it's uh, me and my wife. We we teach our kids to find their identity um, in Christ in our in our faith, and that's the only thing that matters. You know what? Culture is great. Race is great. But it's not it's not if it's not important to God. Um, all He cares is about the beauty. Black people are beautiful. White, Asian, whatever. He made them be, because they're beautiful. I mean, if we all were the same color, 
I mean, it's pretty boring and stuff. But to me, I mean, that uh, I hear that I hear that reason so many times from African American men and women as well as whites saying, "Well, what about the children?" That's just an excuse to cover up your your racial prejudice. I, I will right. say that there is uh, like that that is some problem. I my my current wife, I have three stepdaughters with her. All three are by the same man, and it was an interracial relationship. Um, one of them is darker than the other two. The two of them have blonde hair and look almost white. Mm-hmm. And then the middle daughter looks mixed. Mm-hmm. And we live in an inner city school school district, and at their school. The two, the the white one gets the one that looks white. She gets picked on. She gets picked on because she's white. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I mean, and like she, she don't understand because she she feels that she's black and white. She's mixed, and that's what she, you know, that's what she says. No, I'm mixed. But it is. I mean, it they do get picked on, but. I don't feel that they get picked on because of. I, I feel like it's more, you know, because they're light skinned than anything. And I, I have another. I, I have a. Uh, somebody else had something to say? Yeah, this is Gary. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Gary. Welcome, bro. Oh, all right. Uh, I just this I have a question for it. I've heard these same things before, but uh, I think all in all, people misrepresent what their real problem is when they say, "What about the kids?" And I think what the real problem is is it's not so much that it is about color that it is about culture. Okay, and the thing about it is, is one way or another, there's culture being lost somewhere along the way. Um, so I would like to know what the brothers think about this particular part. You know, are your kids uh, uh, being raised in a predominantly white culture or are they being raised in a predominantly black culture? Or, you know, how is the culture being defined uh, for the children? Oh, I would say does it, does it really matter what culture is they, they, they're they brought up in? Does it really matter? It really it matters on the person and whether it's important. For me and my family, we don't care. Whether, I mean, they're going to be exposed to different things um, as far as African American culture and white culture in Asia. We don't, we don't, we're not waving the Mexican flag. We're not saying, oh, black is great. We're not saying white is great. We're just like, live your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, with, um, as a matter of fact, me and the middle daughter, which is darker than the other two, we, um, we had like a little father and daughter day the other day. Um, her her father she her father isn't really in her life in any of them's life. Um, but with me, we went walking the other day, and they had been learning about segregation in school. And I, you know, like I tried to talk to her about segregation and what it was like back then, and I do try and teach them some of the African-American heritage, too, you know, where the, you know, the whole thing, like, because I feel like they need to know the whole diversity. They need to know everything, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they need to know about, 
both their lineage. You know, I'm me. I'm more Native American than I am anything. And so, I mean, they're going to learn about that too. <laughs> you know, they're going to learn about every culture that I can teach them. I think this knowledge is power. Right. And the more that they know, the better off they are. Yeah, I was, I was told people. Well, you know, I want to piggyback on that because actually I, I firmly believe what you just uh, mentioned. Um, I have a uh, white lineage in me as well. It's further down the line. Uh, it's uh, back as far as a great-great-grandparent. But nonetheless, I know that part of my family history. So I'm a firm believer in teaching my children uh, their family history and all that it means. And as far as the culture that they live, it really is based upon I've taught you what your culture is from your family's perspective. Then you can go out and choose which culture you decide to live. So it's up to them if they want to live a black culture, if they want to live something else. But the bottom line is they have a choice because – They've been given the choice. Well, one thing the question to me nowadays, I mean, since we're talking about culture, is culture has been, I think it used to be white culture, black culture. Now it's been broken up into something else. It's almost not black or white, really. It's, it's defined by something else, but not color so much. Right. It's, it's more poverty level than... It is. That, that's exactly what I was going to get to. I mean, the culture has changed to where, uh, to me, we should be more focused on kids learning how to resolve conflict and be who they are and and do all this stuff instead of focusing on, well, this is black and this is white, this is Hispanic. I mean, we're, we're focusing on the wrong things as, as a culture where we're trying to divide people up into different um, kind of keyhole everybody and say, this is who, who you are, this is what you are, and this is what you do. And if you do this, you're white, and if you do this, you're black. To me, that's dumb. We're not teaching our kids how to be who they are or to how to resolve conflict, how to think for themselves, how to choose for themselves and stuff. Just kind of put it out there. I mean, there's no, like, like the gentleman said, there is no one culture anymore. I mean, it's so blended together, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and when y'all um, in good words, fellas. Um, but when people, when people of any race envision the quote unquote traditional family living the American dream, do y'all think that the married couple in their mind is a white couple or a black couple? The American dream. It's mm-hmm. still. I think it's still the stigmata of the of the little white couple behind the white picket fence. Um, you know, with a little boy and a little girl, one on each side of them, and like, yeah, I think that that's still what people envision as the American dream. Wow. I I would say I definitely don't. I I know I personally don't. Uh, I don't identify with that at all. Zero zilch. No, you said majority, right, Rodney? Are you saying when people, when when they hear that, do majority people think of the the white family or the? I mean, that, that's right. What you're yeah. Asking, right. Yeah, yeah. Basically, do oh, a majority okay. of people when they think about you know that concept, um, is you know is it a solid majority that thinks about and like the brother said, even the picket fence is white. 
<laughs> well, you know, but I, I don't. I still don't. I still don't see. I think, um, particularly the people that I know, they see it as whatever they have been witness to. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, or you know, if there is a positive role model, then usually it, it's that positive role model. Or if it's not a positive role model, it's whatever they grew up as. Um, I, I really, I think that that model of the, the white family with the dog and the cat and the picky finger. Yeah. I think that's gone, yeah. man. I, I think a lot of it is gone. Personally, I think it is gone. But the way the media portrays that, type, like, well, I understand what Rodney's saying, too. And, like, I think in the media and the way it's mostly portrayed is the the white family. Me, personally, and I think this uh, the other brothers that are talking, like, I think the way that we look at it is, like, I don't see color. For me, I don't see color. I see people. Now, just like today on... Um, another talk radio that I was listening to while I was working today. Um, I, it was it was about race, and it was um, you know like African American people should be putting their money into African American businesses, and they should be only be buying African American. They should be doing this African like for me. No, you need to spend in the mom and pop business. Period. You know, it's not about African-American or Jewish or, you know, Native American or whatever. I mean, I understand if you buy African-American, then it supposedly gives more jobs towards African-American business. I mean, is what they were trying to say. But to me, the whole talk show this morning felt so freaking racist that, like, mm. it made me it made me sick. Hey, the issue, the issue... Um, Can I comment on that? Mm-hmm. That's because um, every immigrant every immigrant group that's come to this country has started at the bottom. Um, you know, you can go back to the 30s and 40s. It could be the Jews. It could be the Italians, the Irish, um, whatever they were. And they came over here, and they, they banded together. And the Korean guy would walk past 15 shops to shop with the other Korean guy. Um, the same would be with the Jew and any other uh, any other group that's come here. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to, to, to support and cling with your own. Black people came here a very different way. And we were pitted against each other. And unfortunately, in the black community, we're like crabs in a barrel. We don't want somebody to get up and, and move on. Uh, we hear things like, what are you trying to do? You, you're trying to be white? You're trying to get above your raisin? And as a black man, to try to be successful, you're torn down by your own people. Um, and that's why the black community as a whole has an advance, because not only are we fighting the white person, but we're fighting our own people. Because the mentality from from the slave days has been, you know, you know, hey, well, you know, you light skins, you must be a house nigger, you know, and it's pitting us against each other instead of coming together as a group, and that's why we still to this day, um, when 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 one person gets ahead, oh, you and Uncle Tom, oh, you this, you that, instead of applauding someone for being successful in our own community. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. 
Um, this is a this is a topic that um, I, I used to do work with the Minority Business Development Agency, which is part of the Department of Commerce uh, in D.C. Um, and I've worked with a number of organizations that are specifically geared towards helping minority businesses. Now, here's the reason why these things are important. Um, African Americans make up 13% of the population, but we make up only 2% of the business ownership and only 1% of of employment for African Americans. What that says is we are completely, completely dependent on the majority the, the majority population for jobs, for our economics. We have no power of our own. Okay, so now think about it from a governmental standpoint. If you were to take away uh, affirmative action programs, okay, which says, you know, that you need to hire so many blacks, you need to have so many uh, minority contractors, so on and so forth. If you take those things away, then minority businesses don't have nothing, okay, which means we are completely dependent upon uh, white America to hire us. Now, I'm going to make this one last point on that. Now, people want to say that, you know, we're getting better with this racism thing, okay? Well, if I sit down in front of an HR manager to get a job, and there's another candidate that looks like him, but yet we're equal on paper in every other way, chances are the personal preference of the person doing the hiring is going to be to pick someone who looks like him, somebody who he feels comfortable with, someone who uh, shares some common interests with them, okay, which means me, the individual, doesn't get the job. Now, you put that on a micro, on a macro level, and let thousands of HR managers do that, and now you have institutional racism again. Mm-hmm. is extremely important because without that, our businesses don't make it. Hmm. But just tying along with that, and that's good words, um, you know, when it comes to buying a home, creating wealth, being healthier, et cetera, et cetera, are black people missing out on all of the other intrinsic benefits that come along with this thing called marriage? You're talking about the ones that that's deciding not to get married? Yes. I think that they <laughs> I think that they think that they're missing out on something. I think that they're the 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 um the fear of commitment uh means it's easier for them to take care of their kids, have a kid with this woman instead of having her as a wife because they're going to miss the next next best thing or the next finest woman or they got to stop going to the strip clubs you know and it, again it depends on the uh the culture where your your environment what you were raised in I know um in Atlanta where I'm from a lot of the young men in my family they're not getting married they rather have I got a 23 year old cousin he has five kids already you know wife three baby mamas uh and that's and that's okay to him because no one's locking him down where I'm where I'm trying to tell him that for the three kids or the five kids you have they really do lock you down um and you have to deal with those three women now what woman is going to want you or what can you do for a woman when you got to take care of five kids that and when you're not taking care of those five children how are you going to look to that woman that's looking for a decent person to be in her life so it's a mm. culture thing. I think it's a it's a um, 
familiarity. I think it's an environmental thing. I think if you're seeing a lot of these things, I think you, uh, you, you're more apt to, to dupe it or duplicate it and think that it's okay because everybody around you saying that, hey, marriage is for the birds or marriage is for white people or marriage is for these people or that people, but it's not for me. I think the intrinsic benefits of marriage are missed out on those who don't um, decide to get married. I think uh, there's many studies that prove that um, children and women, and even men, are are at a if, if you are married, you're you're not going to be in poverty. I mean, that's, that's an overgeneralization. Um, the education level will be higher with with marriage. The the stress level will not be as high uh, when you're dealing with two or three baby mommies, mamas. I mean, the stress level can go up. If you only have to deal with one woman, I mean, it, the stress is there, but it's not going to be like it is. Also, I mean, if you have two or three baby mamas, you don't have to worry about child support for all those those both babies and the and the um, baby mamas. I think that the people who who are there's studies that show that people who are married who live longer and stuff. So when when you look at some of the benefits of it, I think some people, I mean, they may not think about it, um, um, but I think there are benefits to that marriage rather than um, not getting married. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I believe in, in America um, it's designed for people um, that are married people who are um don't have kids outside of marriage and people who can be um gainfully employed easily. I think the monkey wrench in the whole thing is that this is still a white man's economy. And by that I mean if you really wanted to break into um uh above average success, you have to be able to in most cases sit down in a room with white people and blend in. You can't be full-blown black culture in a room full of white people when it comes to economic um, objectives. And I think that's really the biggest key. That's is just to be able to be able to blend in in, a, in, a, in business with white people. You must not have been watching reality TV lately. <laughs> I see a lot of... <laughs> a lot of black successful folks getting on there making money for doing absolutely nothing. That's not that's a, that's not a that's not a big that's a really really small percentage though of people. I, uh, I, see, I, you see I, it on I, TV but that's not a lot of people. That's not a large percentage of the population at all. Not people right, that are not entertaining. Let's just take entertainers out of the equation. I'm talking just average people, business people. In order to, see, you have to be able to sit in in a room with white people and not stand out as an obvious black person. Like That's your true. culture has to be kind of close to their culture. You, they, you just can't stand out a lot, or they won't want to deal with you. You just have to basically be a chameleon, be able to be a chameleon around white people. They have no problem with your race as long as you don't act like what they perceive as a black person. That, that's well, kind of true. You, 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 I mean, Jay Z is a perfect example. I mean, he had to he had to put the suit on. He had to start. I mean, I I, I would agree with him on, on that point. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason why. I, I, um. Again, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. 
I was just going to say, I, I don't really understand what um, you mean by, like, the perceived black culture. Of, I mean... Well, what, what I, mean, I believe you mean, he, we, well, the, the, the community that we came from or that we work in, uh, it's a small percentage of black people that work in this community. But we cannot fully express how we really are around the, our counterparts because they might be afraid of us to look at us in a different way. We already just barely got the job as it was. And then we had to be as, be twice as good to be considered half as decent as our white counterparts. So we don't want to do anything to ruin that. Now, um, working at a place like these three-letter agencies, you really have to be on your A game when you're a black person opposed to a white person. You really have to do double the work. You have to uh, you you have you can't say certain words. Uh, you can't come in there with dreads. Let's say if you 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 had locks before, you have to go in there with a professional haircut, what they perceive as professional, vice what your culture really is. So you have to really alter yourself, and I see it every day because I had to do it just to get the jobs that I got. So I had to really alter myself. I'm a I'm an inner city kid from Atlanta, Georgia, and I know everybody know how people in Atlanta talk. So it slips out when I'm comfortable around my friends, but you know, not in my professional environment. Can I, I better not talk that way? Hold on, hold on. Can I ask you a question? So let's just flip it around, and let's just say that you were one of these CEOs running this company, you being a black guy. Would your criteria be any different? My criteria mm. wouldn't be any different, but be, to be considered to be in that position, I would have had to go through a whole lot of thumbs up and not scare no, 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 people. No. By, I'm not uh, talking about how you got there. I'm not talking about how you got there. I'm saying you were already there. Would your criteria be any different? Somebody coming in with dreadlocks, how would you treat that person with dreadlocks? No, you see, here's the thing. It's not it's not so much the company itself that, that determines that. It's the comp it's the culture of the people who are buying from that company. So for instance, if you're talking about uh if you're talking about um uh Time Warner, okay, um their CEO, the people who are seen by the general public they got to look at a certain, a certain part because if they don't, they stand to damage their brand. So you're going to still look the part. You're still going to play a part of the company culture. I think the white people to a point, but I think we're talking about two different things. I think there's, there's, yeah. there's culture and then there's professional. There's a professional environment. And I think most cultures will all agree that a certain professionalism is required. It doesn't matter yes. who's in who's in charge. Whether it's an African American CEO, he's going to expect people to be in a suit. He's going to expect people to act a certain way, speak a certain way. Same with the white. But that but that culture is typically a white culture in the in the boardroom. It's for an example, if you took a black person um, who was raised all, around all blacks his whole life, and you set him inside of that office. And it was a room full of majority white people. If those white people were to go to any of those other white people's homes for like Thanksgiving dinner, they would probably blend in perfectly. If they were to go to his home, it would probably be uncomfortable. It's completely he has to shed 
everything he was brought up, if he was raised predominantly in a predominantly black culture, he can't bring uh, he can't he can't bring a small percentage of that to the to the to the table. He so has I, to be able to blend in and not be how he was raised. I agree. So you can't bring Pookie to dinner. <laughs> well, well if, if they came to Pookie's home, it wouldn't be as comfortable as if they came to the other, some other white person that's sitting in that offices uh, in that in that boardroom. If they went to that guy's home, it would be different. It wouldn't be as uncomfortable as if he came. It would probably be culture shock for that white guy. And this is the black guy that has to blend in with them. It wouldn't be culture shock if he went to any of those other people's homes. Yeah, let me, I'm sorry, guys. This is Bruce. Let me chime in on that. Um, I think that line is kind of disappearing because uh, around a lot of black people now, then they're around certain other black folks, and they call them ghetto. And they have no culture. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. You have to, you have to kind of be able to shed that all black experience if that's how you were raised. If you were raised, say, if you were black and raised by a majority of white people, it wouldn't be hard to do at all. But if you were raised, and most of us come from segregated areas, coming from the '60s, '70s, you know, maybe the kids nowadays are not going to be that way. But we are, have been segregated. I've been, I was raised around all black people. To this day, I can't sit in a room with a lot of white people and 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 not stand out in some form or fashion, or not, or so, not intimidate someone. Or even more than that, I mean, even if you did grow up in the ghetto and then you just got your education and you became somewhat successful, and then you see, you know, other black folks that didn't, then you're still going to kind of judge them. I, I see it all the time, Tom. You say you well, got to judge them. I would just recognize what they're up against. Well, I don't think it's just black people that have to change their culture. Um, I was brought up in the biker world. You know, like, yeah. my father was a biker. He was part of a biker club. And, like, that's the the culture I was brought up in. Um I was brought up around, my father was a tattoo artist, you know. I, I was brought up around tattoos. Um, but at the same time, I was told you can't get tattoos until you're 18 because you have to you have to have a certain kind of, and, you know, people with tattoos are discriminated against in yes. the business world. So, I mean, I don't think that it's just, I think it's more of just a professionalism, what people expect as professionals, more than it is about a culture thing. But what is that I professional agree, level that. by? Say that again. That that professional that professional benchmark is dictated. I mean, it's a white man's economy, and I don't have a problem with it, but it's dictated by white. Males that grew up in predominantly white areas. That's very really very true. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I mean, it, it's the golden rule. Whoever has the gold makes the rules, and and that's 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 unfortunately, I mean, that's the culture that's been in America for a, for a long time. Is that white culture has kind of set the standard? They have set um, 
the history books and stuff. I mean, they've written the history books the way they they thought because they were the, they considered they were the conquerors, they were the winners, Western Western civilization. So yes, I would agree um, that that uh, um, the professionalism was probably um, um, started by um, by Caucasians. I mean, back in the day, they were wearing wigs. I mean, that was the professionalism. You had wigs on, and you had these strange-looking outfits and stuff. That was considered um, professionalism. And you know what? It just evolved down the line to where now, to be a professional, you have to be clean-shaven, you have to have a suit, and you got to be in charge. Certain time. Certain time. I, 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 I agree with you. That's uh, Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And now, um, that's, that's just the, the way... The, the system is set up now in order to get into that system like I said, Jay-Z is a perfect example Michael Jordan, another great example they had to put the suit on you take off the sweatpants, you take off the, the jewelry, whatever it is you have to put on the suit if you want to get in the system and then you kind of you bring along um, you bring along younger men that can look up to you and, and uh, or, or women uh, and they, they, they eventually can come into the system as well I, I agree with you. Yeah, and I even me, I would even go. Let me, go ahead. Sorry, let me let me let me tie this thing because I think we're diverging off into the economy. Um, want to tie the stick on the topic of marriage, and you know, you Malcolm, you mentioned or um, brother mentioned um, the young men and the young women, um, and y'all have talked a lot about children uh, this evening. But you know, when it comes to the views on marriage, good or bad, good or bad, fellas. Do y'all think that these views um, start with our children, start at childhood, when it comes to the view on marriage? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. They watch our marriages, they watch people around them, and they, they come up with their own opinions of what marriage is and whether they even want to be married. I, I agree, yes. and I also think part of the problem is is that we are not we are not taking control over the conversation. Um, what happens is a lot of people raise their kids and never talk to their kids about what marriage is and what it means. Mm. So um, they're having to shape it out of whatever those ideas are. So it needs to be a conscious conversation. I don't think it needs to be a conscious conversation. I think it needs to be a conscious, uh, a constant notion to treat your wife correctly. Or treat open the door for your wife. Don't tell your son to open the door for his sister if you're not opening the door for his mother. So I think it's a conscious, uh, a, a constant notion of being an example of how your son or your daughter or what they their expectations should be when they're looking for that man or that woman to be a husband or a wife. Uh, talking about it and being about it is two different things. I think I think you need you need both. You definitely need to be the example of how, how a husband should treat a wife, how a father should treat a son or daughter. Um, be that example, but you also need to sit down and talk to the kids um, about marriage, about when they get to the certain ages. I mean, but especially in the young age, like my kids are very young. I mean, they they learn a lot by just looking and watching, and they 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 learn how to treat each other the way because they're looking at how we treat each other. And talk to each right. other. So, I think you need kind of both. I, I, you need to probably sit down and talk to them when they get a little bit older. But when when it comes to the younger kids, it's all about example. 
the thing and that you know what it's, it's it's really all ex- about example with the old ones too. You can tell them all day don't drink, but you go out you know getting plastered. It doesn't matter. That's true. Okay, you can tell them all day don't smoke, but you tell them hand you your cigarettes. It doesn't matter. What really you know kids? I mean they watch more than I mean kids. It's almost like. You know, after a while, we're the parents on on Charlie Brown, wah 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 wah, and they're gonna watch what you do. You, you know, when when things get tough, if you you know if you divorce and split up, what you're teaching your children is, hey, when you get married, you know, and things get tough, that's what you do. Yeah. You know, if right. you're abusive and and things like that, you're teaching them. Hey, this is what it is, and if that's what you want to do, you can say all day, you can sit down, oh, you know, you shouldn't talk to a woman this way, but you talk to her that kind of way, you talk to their mother that kind of way, you're teaching mm-hmm. them what to do. Well, I, I think what I was saying, I, I think throughout life you should you should be um, teaching through example, being that servant leader, being that uh, that example of how to love uh, a mother, their, their mother, how to um, show affection towards, um, your wife and stuff, um, but I think also, I mean, when they get older, that's where you really kind of make a, like the, the gentleman said, make a conscious effort to sit down and talk to them. Now, your talk should match your walk, so both right. of them should look right. up. Um, but, well, that, but, that's what I'm saying, Matt. I don't mean that you don't speak to your kids. What I'm saying is um, what your actions speak so loud, they can't hear what you say. If your, yeah, if your speech doesn't match up with your actions, your speech doesn't mean jack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stupid. They know what's going on. You can tell them all day, but if, you're, if your actions aren't meeting up with your speech, they're going to look at you as a hypocrite anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally you agree. You and treat your mother and, and talk to her any kind of way, and you tell your, your son, look, you don't speak to women this way, and he sees you talking to his mother that way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It goes back the one to thing that I do as I say, not as I do. I mean, if you're not, if you're living in that culture, you're not going to, the kids that you bring up are not going to be what you want. The one thing that I constantly have to talk to my kids about is the unfamiliar territory, like um, having an interracial, being in an interracial relationship, uh, what God thinks about interracial relationships, uh, what God thinks about gay relationships. So I have to, I have to constantly talk to them about that because, the confusion comes in when they get sent off to school and see all these things that are accepted and permitted and openly permitted. And, um, and, and I think that most of my conversation is going against what they learning outside of this house. Yeah. Well, you know, and... Oh, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, I'm done. Okay. Um, one, I completely understand what you're saying. I got to tell this, this small story. Uh, when my son was younger, when my oldest son was probably eight or nine, uh, he had the nerve to tell me one day that he wished he didn't have his dad around because his friends that were raised by single mothers were better off than he was. Mm. Um, now, so I completely understand having to fight the the picture that is presented by the outside world, but at the same time, I presented everything to him with love. I presented him things, and I helped him to understand, you think that those things are better on the outside, but I helped him to see how his family was better off because he had a father, he has grandfathers, 
kids, great-great-grandfathers, knows who they are. He knows what they think and feel. You know, and so as now that he's 17, now he completely understands. And it's so funny to hear him talk to his other friends and he, and hear him always say, well, my dad said this, you know. Right. And so um, just being consistent with giving him the message it has helped him to see certain things. And now he's been dating a girl. He's 17 and has had the same girlfriend for two years. So he's learning awesome. what it means to treat a woman. Mm, awesome. I like that. Yeah, and Darren, you had mentioned unfamiliar territory. Um, And I I recently heard an older white gentleman tell a story about how back in the day as a child, his parents made him go to weddings with them. And he complained about how he had to wear this itchy suit, and he didn't like wearing a suit at that age. You know, he was probably, you know, eight or nine, as the gentleman just stated, you know, that same age. Um. But today, fellas, when when the wedding invitations go out, it usually explicitly states, uh, "No kids, mm-hmm. no kids." Yeah. But 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 do both white and black people have the same thoughts regarding inviting children to the wedding? At fifty dollars a plate, you sure do. <laughs> <laughs> But For me, I feel like go ahead. I feel like that yeah, that children should be invited to those types of things. I think that they need to see those examples. Now, have I seen it in my family that people say no children, you know, allowed? Yeah, because and and part of that is because they want to drink, they want to party, they want to have, you know, like afterwards, and that's what a lot of the problem is. Is marriage is going down the crapper? You know, it's it's. It's all about partying and having fun and, you know, every, everything that we do anymore is about the feeling. It's not about love. It's not about what it's really meant to be. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think I, I think kids should go to weddings. Um, I think a lot of the reasons people don't want children there is because they see them as an inconvenience, um, as a problem. Um, and and it's more of a self to me. It's more of a selfish uh, attitude. Basically, we don't want to deal with the kids because we want to have our fun. We want to have. We want to drink. We want to do whatever and stuff. And to me, taking kids to those kind of functions teaches them about marriage. It teaches them about certain um, about a husband and a wife coming together and celebrating the the marriage and celebrating the um, um, the love that a man and a woman have. And to me, it's a family event, and the family includes the children. Well, take it from me, who is planning a wedding. At $50 a plate, you punch in two kids for every person you invite, you'll think about it twice. <laughs> but it's not, hey, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not I'm not kidding you, man. I'm straight up serious. No, no, that's not, that is not the truth, because it's not $50 for the kids' plate. It might be like 25 for the kids' plate. No, it's plate. not. I'm telling you what, caterers charge you by the human being. No. Really? Is that? Oh, I am, brother, I'm telling you. You know Deja's engaged. We're planning a wedding, bro. I'm telling you. Well, here's an idea you. for you. Here's an idea for you. Let people bring their kids to the ceremony and then yeah. have a, se- a separate room yeah. set up for them and say, if you want to bring your kids, it's going to cost you X dollars for your children. 
No, man, you can't do that. They want to pay for that. You can't. You can't invite the parents to to the to the reception without the kids. You can't say you if you come if you come to the wedding and you're going to bring kids, you can't bring them to the reception. It doesn't work like that. Trust me. Well, I, 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 I have seen I have seen on some wedding things where it says, you know, reception follow adults only. Yeah. I'm telling you I'm telling you I'm in the midst of it and it's very expensive. Yeah, and, it and it's averaging forty to sixty dollars a plate. Yeah. I mean do the math, man. You got you know, you got a hundred people and and you're gonna invite, you know, most people have a couple of kids. I mean, do the math. I'm telling you the truth. Well what 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 I've seen is that a lot of a lot of people have have taken the kids to the to, to the wedding, and then they would hire like a couple babysitters, and they would have uh, the kids would have like a like a party at somebody else's house, and they would they would watch all the kids, and the kids exactly, and then and then the adults can go have fun, but the kids are still exposed to that wedding, which I think mm. is important. That they they're 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 exposed to that the the. The covenant of marriage, as a Christian speaking, I mean, you need to see the the, the wedding. Um, now, do they have to go to the reception? No, there are other ways you can you can you can hire a couple of people and they can babysit twenty five kids and they can have a have a, have a good time where they can have a pizza party or whatever. And the kids will be they'll have a great time. I've, I've seen it; they have a wonderful time. You get a popcorn machine, you get some cotton candy, you get some um, some some movies and stuff, and they they're 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 off to the races. They love it. And so, so they have their little party, and the adults have their party, and 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 but the the wedding is not missed. Well, yeah. I, and and I was on the other end of that spectrum when my wife and I got married. All right, a little history with me and my wife now, my present wife. We knew each other for two weeks. She came and picked me up. We got married the next day. Did you we say together, two weeks? We knew each other for two weeks. Holy crap! I I knew right away that she was the woman I wanted to marry. Like there was no doubt in my mind, one bit, one, at all. And we went. Now, and would you encourage other people to follow your path? I, it's not for everybody, no. <laughs> but I will say she's amazing. She's she's wonderful. She, I, I have never met a woman that treats me half as good as way she does. She is a great, wonderful woman that respects me and loves me and treats me like a man which is something, a uh, very first for me. But we went and got our marriage license, and we went and had a quick wedding. You know, the only people that were there was me, her, and our kids. And the kids actually got to join in on the ceremony. And, I mean, so that, for me, to like them seeing that and with us talking to them and explaining to them because – they want to. They want a, a brother or sister now or whatever. And we explain to them, you know, that's the only something you do when you get married. You know, you should be married before you have children, and you know, like that's something that is going to stick out in their mind. And with her and I, I told her when we first got together, we don't argue in front of our kids. Period. There has been once that we got kind of we had a little bad argument and it you know it was a little bit in front of the kids but for the most part 
when we have a disagreement, it's not around the kids. Because as them being little girls, even though, you know, they're not learning that this is how they treat a woman, they're learning that this, this is the way that a woman should be treated. So you're teaching your children that in marriage there's no arguments. That's basically well, no. I, no I, yeah, that's what you're teaching them. Uh huh. But we don't. But we don't get loud in front of them. We might. You disagree, said you don't have disagreements in front of them. Not you see, and, and I'm telling you yeah. from the other side because I've counseled hundreds of couples, and we have people that that actually believe that when you're married you shouldn't argue because they never saw their parents do it. Right. That's just not real. Well, you know, now, you, know you, you don't want to be disrespectful, but, you know, what you want your kids to be able to see is real life, all right, but also how how you come together after a disagreement. Right. Obviously, there's, there's, you don't want to, you know, disrespecting your wife, but to, to, to have a disagreement with your wife or, as you call it, an argument, um, you know, that's, there's no two cup. There's no two people on the planet that have a marriage that, that agree on everything. Well, let me let me interject a little bit because my wife and I do the same, do the exact same thing. But we will have a disagreement. But when we have a disagreement about something, it is not as it relates to the kids. So our children see us have disagreements now as it relates to them. As it relates to anything that has to do with them specifically, we do not show a disagreement between us because kids quickly learn how to see the difference between mom and dad, and they will use it. That's a different statement. Had that problem. That's a different statement. Okay. Well, let me well let me recant. Okay. What I should have said is we have minor disagreements in front of the kids. The major disagreements, the major arguments, no. The the ones where things get heated in battle and, you know, like, we don't do anything for our kids. And one of my major things is I still open her door. Like, she, she just don't get it how a man is like, we're married, we've been together for the so, so, you know, long, and... I'm still opening her door. I'm still doing all the things that a man is supposed to do for his wife. And it goes, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with us teaching our children by example. Um, we don't. I don't have any, any boys in the house right now. So I don't have any boys that I'm teaching. This is how you treat your, your wife or your, your spouse when you get older. But I'm teaching them that this is the acceptable way for you to be treated as a woman when you get married. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I wanted to go back to. The brother, you know, somebody said that the kids, and you know, you planning a wedding. But um, about ten years ago, I went to a wedding, and they said, "Bring your kids." And I was like, "What?" They were like, "No, bring your kids." And what happened? Um, at the church, you know, generally church have like a nursery. So they basically paid, you know, um, somebody. I don't know if it was friends, family, or whatever, but basically 
the adults went to the actual ceremony, and if you had, you know, young children, you just basically just took them to the nursery in the back of the church during the wedding ceremony. And then when we went, when we went over to the reception, which was at a, a, a hotel, and basically they rented out a small room just like what the guy was talking about with popcorn, pizza, games. I mean, they had so many board games. I was like, y'all got a lot in here. And but basically, anybody who brought their kids. I hear some kids now. <laughs> anybody who brought some kids. Um, basically, you just take, you just take your child to that room, and then the adults go and have fun and don't have to worry about, you know, um, does little Johnny have to go potty or is he behaving or he's cranky? Little Johnny's having fun in the playroom. You know, so I, I think it's a different approach. I really appreciated that they offered that where I didn't have to get care. And at the same token, um, you know, I could, you know, bring bring my child. And they, you know, part of the experience, granted, the child was really young at that time. But um, And a couple of weeks ago, my wife and my 11-year-old daughter were supposed to go to our cousin's wedding. Um, I hadn't planned on going myself since I was going to stay home with our two other younger children. And this was actually going to be the first wedding that my 11-year-old daughter would have attended. Um, But my daughter later later decided that she just wanted to relax instead and instead of traveling back and forth several hours away for the wedding. Um, So my wife ended up going by herself. But... What age do y'all think is appropriate for a child to actually attend the wedding, the the, the nuptials? What, what what age do you think is is, is appropriate? I, th- I think probably around seven eight years old. I mean, I think that that the the wedding nuptials. I mean, to me, that a ceremony like that in a church or wherever it is, it leaves a depression on a child. They may not know what's all going on. But they'll 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 start understanding what's going on. But I think seven eight years old, I think is the perfect time to start introducing them. I think when they're old enough to understand what's going on, you know, bringing a three year old, that's not you know. But when they're yeah. old enough to understand what's going on, I you know. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that especially things like this should be experienced definitely before the age of ten. Uh, there's been a lot of research, uh, psychology research done around uh, when do people formulate who they are as a person. And the common age, the general consensus has been that by age, by the age of 10, that child's personality is put in place. Um, and I can tell you from my own personal experience, there have been things that I've went back to my parents and said, how did I get to the point where I think the way that I do? And my my parents like I'm very pro I'm pro African American you know and I never knew where it came from and my mom and dad said in the 70s we were taking you to Kwanzaa festivals when you were a kid reading reading African American books I didn't remember it that that's what happened until they said something and then I could vaguely remember those things but I tell you before age ten is when a lot of stuff gets put in stone. I. I I agree. I think um, I know. I, when I grew up, we went to a lot of weddings. I mean, I, I remember going to a lot of weddings as a child. And when I say child, I'm saying seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And they were all positive experiences. I mean, 
we got to eat what we wanted. We got to drink what we wanted. We got to go dancing. We were running all over, chasing our cousins and stuff. The whole family was there. So that positive experience kind of reinforced that marriage was good. Right. Hmm. I, I, I agree. I think that if they can sit through, I, I think that, you know, it depends on each child, but, like, if they can sit through um, a church service or a movie quietly, I think that they're old enough to go to a wedding. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it goes it goes for funerals, too. I mean, you know, not to be kind of... Bad, but, you know, <laughs> that's a whole yeah, different... I just, I just had to go through this whole, this whole thing with... Um, one of my exes and my one of my children, you know, what what is the child old enough, you know, for the funeral? Because, well, if they can sit through a movie quietly, then they should be able to, because they have to experience all of these things, you know, at, at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of children, um, some married black women often complain that taking care of their husbands is like having an additional child to raise. Oh, man. So, wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, that that was what I was going to ask, brother. Do the the married white women think that as well, or do they have the same complaint? Uh, Yeah, I'd say yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's times, I'm sure my wife thinks, gosh, I got another kid to raise sometimes. But, at the same time, on the same at the same time, you know, I feel the same way. You know, like I'm like, dang, go on, I got another kid to raise sometimes. You know, but yeah, that's that's <laughs> that goes along with white people too. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to know. Go ahead. I, I mean, I might be 37 years old, but sometimes I act like I'm 17. <laughs> <laughs> or seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. But I, we're talking about uh, weddings and the frills and the invitations and everything. Um, but I have a monkey wrench, and my monkey wrench is this: is divorce for white people? I think it's for anybody that's not happy or that's into a, a relationship that's toxic. Yeah. As for clarification, um, uh, um, Rodney, are you saying are white people less likely to get divorced? No, no. Here's here, here's what I'm saying. Um, actually, this is part part two of the monkey wrench. Um, but did y'all know that? For the average black person, one divorce, one divorce can ruin the idea or concept of marriage forever. While, on the other hand, the average white person can easily get remarried third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time. <laughs> but so so many black people, that, especially black women, they get divorced one time. Oh, no, they're never getting married again. So why why do you think the why do you think the difference there in where white people are getting married multiple times with you know no problems 
or, or, or not as many problems, whereas that one divorce, that can sink the whole idea, concept of marriage for that, generally speaking, average black person. Why do you think that is? I don't think they have the same economic issues or social issues in a relationship as uh, black people do. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to just widely say I'm not saying this in all cases, but um, let's say in a in a African American household, it, the extreme would happen. You know, if her husband loses a job or he starts drinking, or he starts cheating, or he starts hitting on her, it's it's to the max. I mean, it's very very difficult uh, to come back from after that has been this person uh, after that behavior is demonstrated to that, that woman. So it taints her whole mindset on, look, I'm not picking men right. My mom was beat on, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and I'm falling into the same stuff. It's not for me. I'm going to stay away from it. If that was her case, but on the, on the other side, um, I'm only speculating because I'm not white and I haven't been in one of those households, but I don't think their drama is that extreme where ours is on, you know, on the edge of killing someone. The other thing is most black women have black friends. And they're like, girl, you ain't got to put up with that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so white women don't have white friends? They say the same thing? They do, but they're like, well, you know, you'll find another nice one out there. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I disagree. You, you got some white women that's got some very ghetto, very, very ghetto um, friends that... Fam, stop where you are. Did you see what term he used? Well, mm-hmm. honestly, I live in the ghetto. Yeah, I mean, okay. Is, so, but, but, but where did Judd bring back to? But but that's that's what I'm saying. It's, it's the way that you perceive... It's not about it's race. perception because the ghetto it's mentality not, is... Is that it's mentality? mentality. You know, you it's not, it's not white, black, or in between. For me, ghetto is just the way you act. It's not about black, white, anything. I mean, so your white, so a white woman or your white wife or ex-wife or whoever she was, she has some ghetto white friends. I, 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 I failed. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. that looks like. You see, but when you say ghetto, the first thing that comes to your mind is a white person. The first thing that comes to my mind is the the way the person acts. Oh, come That's on. how it is with me, too. Man, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm following. How many of y'all, y'all on this phone, when you heard the word, she was acting ghetto, thought about a white person? No. It's when I hear ghetto, I think about a loud mouth, per, a loud mouth female. Really. Exactly. Exactly. Too. A loud mouth. There's no that, color on ghetto. No, <laughs> right. Ghetto <laughs> doesn't have a color. <laughs> I don't. Okay, okay. Have you guys ever seen? Have you guys ever seen a ghetto white girl? Because I, I don't know what they act like yeah, unless they're yeah. trying to portray. I've seen more than my fair share of ghetto white girls. No, now, why I think what the jokes are talking about as far as ghetto white girls is that I mean they have this term called acting black, where you have the black, the white young man and a white young woman who are portraying. The stereotypical black right. mannerisms and talk and stuff that usually is is portrayed towards an African American young man or a young woman that lives in the ghetto. My so is that the ghetto fact, white girl? 
My point exactly. But to yep. me, that's not that's not that at all. Like I see white people, Mexican people, and black people living in a ghetto. I mean, I li- I'm white. I live in a ghetto. I I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not proud of where I live. Like I've got. I've got dude across the street slinging dope, and I've got a hooker on the other corner. I mean, so you live in a you live in a white ghetto. It's not it's not white and it's not <laughs> black. It's predominantly it is it's a mixture. Okay. But it is it is straight up ghetto. I'm in the middle of Richmond. <laughs> I mean, it's it's <laughs> ghetto. I, I would say, just like I said uh, about the professionalism being started by the white man and all that stuff, the term ghetto, it is a stereotypical African-American um, um, portrayal. When people say hear ghetto, it's, it's African-American. When somebody hears she's acting ghetto, they're not thinking about a white woman. Exactly. I mean, but you is know, that still I, the I, same I term today? I, I have, I'm going to tell you the problem I have with that. To me, that's a that's a problem with our self-image. If we attach the word ghetto or, say, ratchet or any of those terms, and we think of that as being a term that is black, that says to me that we got something we got to work on because we shouldn't – ghetto can be anybody. It I could be, exactly. Those terms were, were anybody. in the African-American community. If you heard somebody okay. asking, you know, okay, then you know what you're thinking about. Okay, so, what do you have, what do, so is a redneck, a redneck white woman is not the same thing. No, but you're not going to hear about a redneck black person either. That's oh, what yeah. you are when you hear redneck. <laughs> I've got black friends that are very redneck. Andrew, you need to get out more. That's what it is. So you gonna yeah. tell me yeah. that if somebody said, "Yeah, man, he's a redneck," the first thing you're gonna think is, "Oh, that's a black dude." Right, you're right. I'm, I'm not thinking that. Come on, man. Y'all, you, y'all need to get with it. You're right yeah. on that, though. But that don't that you're don't apply to the word right. ghetto. It, I think it definitely applies to redneck. But I think ghetto is is more universal. Yeah, and it's a you place. Think of, if you think about. <laughs> Trailer trash. Yeah. You're not thinking about a black person. You think about a white person. That's straight yep. white. Okay. Or or or, or check this out, Andrew. 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 To 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 cover the coffin. If you hear the N word, you definitely thinking about a black person instead of an ignorant person. That's right. Okay. So well, you know what? The, the hip hop culture is it white or black now? I don't when you throw Eminem, when you throw Eminem in the mix. Well, you, throw you don't even have to throw it. You don't even have to throw it. The predominant, the predominant most of the music is being bought by white people now. <laughs> it's predominantly being bought by white folks. So is is the hip-hop culture white? No. I, th- I think they're just trying to identify with something that's cool. And it's something that's, that's, going, that's, you know, that's going good at the time. Whatever is going good at the time, and they and they're listening to it in their schools, and they're trying to be hip, and they're trying to be down, and they're trying to be cool, and, and it's okay to be, a, and they're trying to acquire some black friends. Then hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I think the hip hop culture is got a different term for them. We call them wiggers. Yeah, <laughs> hey, the hip hop the hip hop culture is still pre- predominantly black. Is just um, admired or enjoyed by a lot of white people. Yeah. And that doesn't make me bigger. bigger. Oreo cookies. 
the if I see other, a white boy walking down the street with his pants down around his butt, I don't I don't say he's a wigger like you were just saying. No, I say he's, he's acting ghetto. He's he's acting ghetto, right? You had white he, people he, trying he, to act black. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, I, I grew up in a different culture than you, but that's what it was. When you had white people back in the 70s trying to act black, that's what it was. But that's really what it was. It's not like that. It's kind of like that now, but the 70s is way different than now. I yeah, let me let me interject here and tie this thing back to marriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Um, but you know, and just tying to what you guys are saying about positive. And hey, hey Roddy, neg- Roddy, can I ask a quick question before you before you do that? Go ahead. Go ahead. And it's Go about ahead. marriage too. And it's kind Good. of about if you see two young poor people, or you two young unestablished people, really don't got no money. Um, no, de- no college degree. About to get married. Is that kind of scary to you? Uh, it's, it, to me, it's not. I mean, you it don't is, see that like a, you don't see that as a, like, a recipe for disaster at all. No, it depends on their love situations. I mean, and if they're willing to better themselves and work with each other. I, I I know. I mean, I mean, usually a marriage uh, if they, they don't have a lot going on for them, usually a marriage will help strengthen their economic uh, their economic uh, picture and stuff. So a lot of a lot of people get together in their twenties that are they're poor and they work together and they they eventually make it through life. It doesn't mean it's ultimately a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I think it sets the st- the stage for strength. Because if you don't have anything, you know, you've got everything to gain. You know, and it's not like you're coming in. Like now people are looking at people for what they have, what they have to bring into the marriage, which yeah. I think is the wrong way to do it. So if you have nothing, you both have nothing, it's just love, I think you. I think that's a recipe for success, I believe. Well, I have a question along those same lines, and it's kind of turning it around a little bit on uh, tonight's uh, tonight's topic is um, I've seen this a couple times in a few other white marriages where the man has a bank account, the woman has a bank account, he pays half the bills, she pays half the bills. And, like, to me, when you're married, my money is her money. Her money is my money, and our bills are our bills. Right. But, like, is that something that's, that's also in the black culture? When you get married, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't see some, that that's a, a marriage. Well, I'm going to say some because it is now you you're you're bringing into uh, what a person's values are or what the person's um, the way they were raised. I know my wife and I we 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 put our money together, um, and we have the same bank account, and we uh, we we discuss what we spend because it's coming out of bill money, house money pleasure money, whatever we're doing. Uh, but some culture, I mean, some people, when I first got into a marriage with my first wife, it was the way I was raised. I seen my dad have his own account. I seen my mom have her own account, and they had their separate accounts. And, you know, it stayed that way forever. And then they end up divorcing because of money. And I'm like, well, I thought it was no problem because you guys had your own account. Why was it a problem that you guys divorcing over financial issues? 
it shouldn't be any financial. So I agree with you that um, that it should be that way, but it's not a culture, it's not a race thing or a culture thing. I mean, um, it's just the, the way you're raised, I believe. Because in my second marriage, I say, okay, everything is together, and it's been working out fantastically. I think we get in we get into trouble when we start talking about the way marriage should be in people's relationships. And I think a lot of times the church is also guilty of that, where they dictate how people should be married and what they should be doing. If paying, if two separate bank account works in your marriage, keep doing it. It doesn't mean you're going to get divorced. It just means you found a way to make it work. I think if you find a way for something that works, that's successful, that's keeping you guys from arguing about the finances, you see what I'm saying? Do it and mm-hmm. keep doing that. Don't say, well, okay, well, you know, Judy and them and, and James, and this is what they do in their household, so we need to do this in my household. No, because that might ne- not necessarily work for you all. You know what I mean? And then, again, you have some people that are better with paying the bills. So then you say, okay, my wife is better at handling the bills, so let me have her control all the money. You know, I mean, it is whatever works in your marriage, you have to continue to do that. You can't let the outside interference come yeah. in because that's, that's where the problem happens. Let me uh, let me say this about that part, and I, I learned this lesson uh, with my grandparents. Um, when it comes to, I think we should see what is the different models out there, be it that you learned it from your parents or you learned it from someone else, but then you have to not just follow what you've been socialized to believe. You then have to figure out, does it work for me? And that that's the important part that I don't think a lot of people do is they only go based upon what they saw, and that's the way they they do things, versus they need to really consider, does this system work for me? You know, and um, my parents did the shared account thing. I looked at it, um, and my wife and I, we do the, the, the shared thing, uh, and it works out. it works out good for us now. I, I, I'm the one that usually handles paying the bills, but she has access to everything, you know. So, But there's reasons behind everything, and we constantly looked at the reasons why we do stuff, you know, and people don't necessarily always do that. Yeah, and, you know, and, and in my marriage, we tried, when we first got married, we tried the joint bank account, and it was horrible. It just worked out horribly. We were at each other's throat all the time about that account. I couldn't wait to close that account. You know what I mean? So now we went back to the way it is. <laughs> my account, she got her account. We sit down once a month. We pay the bills. You know, it's never a money issue. If we go out to eat or whatever, she'll either pull out her credit card or I'll pull out mine. We just never an argument. You know, whenever there's something we need, we sit down, we talk about it. We say, okay, well, let's make it happen. But it works in my marriage. We tried the traditional way; it didn't work. We probably would have got divorced over that account. I'm so glad that account is closed. I can't tell y'all. <laughs> I, can, I can feel you on that, but like when you sit down and you have a list of bills on the refrigerator, his bills, my bills, and you take care no, of these no, no, bills. No, 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 no. It's not like, that. It's not that. They're all household know, bills. Right. Yeah, they're all household bills. <laughs> Believe me, there's no. We don't separate the bills at all. It's just okay. These are the bills, and how we and 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 let's pay them. Period. Right. You know. Yeah. She'll pay certain ones. There's bills that she pays, and there's bills that I pay. 
you know, well, so I mean, and, just, and in the relationship that I'm referring to, like literally, sometimes he would have to borrow money from her to pay the, to pay his half of the rent. Like that's <laughs> to me, that's not. And she made him pay it back. Like to me, that's just not. Well, uh, that's not a marriage. No, that's bad. That's, that's bad. not a marriage. That's that's, no, that's uh, a, marriage. a friends will benefit thing. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but then again, that's the man not holding up to his part of the agreement, which means is whatever help she gives you, that's help. But you got to make sure that you know it's it's still up to me to make sure that everything is whatever she gives me is a bonus. But if she don't have it, I got to pay it. That's just the way it is, you know. Now, did he have to pay her back the, the, the rent? Oh yeah, I mean, he paid her back, and there was times that she borrowed from him to pay a credit card bill or to do this or to do that. But that's really interesting. You know, like it's just like that to me. That's not a marriage. I mean, that's just uh, that's my opinion, though. You know. Sure, sure. sure. You always know say say about opinions, you know. But <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, that is interesting because, like, um, you know, I know that, um. Tony and Darren and I, we we go to lunch, and now we um take turns paying, picking up the tab, and right. but it's it's just like all right, it's your turn, just like Tony said. I mean, if she ain't got it, he got it, and it ain't no, you know, you know, I'm charging you interest on my money. I'm gonna need my money back. You know, and it's the same thing with us. It's like you know, all right, it's your turn to pay, but it ain't like. You know, it's like you, you, you. Well, I'm sure your wife will get you next time. You know, if you, if you needed it, Tony. You know, so it's the same. Oh yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, t- today, fellas, uh, 2014, I guess. But today, does marriage have a positive or negative connotation in our society? And, and what I mean by that is that. Do people view marriage with anticipation or with fear and trepidation? Well, I think the definition of marriage is changing in our country. And I think mm-hmm. um, it's not looked upon as the same. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's not looked upon. It's not. I think, like, when a when a girl is probably 18, 17, 18, 19, yeah, they're thinking, they're looking at it with anticipation, whereas at 17, 18, 19 years old, a uh, young man is looking at it, like, with fear. Um, and then when it gets a little bit older, the woman is looking at it more in fear and the 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 guys anticipating, you know, okay, I'm gonna find me a good woman now. You know, mm. it's but I think that's that goes along with, you know, like uh when when a man comes into their prime sexually and when a woman comes into their prime sexually. Because men come in at a, their their sexual prime at a you know, a younger age than a woman does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my opinion. So y'all don't think that marriage, the institution of marriage, is going out of style, or no? Uh, I think it's I, I going think... out of style, but I think it's mm-hmm. going out of style because sex is the issue. Okay, sex is okay. is the issue has always been the issue. When you 
I can freely have sex with more than one person outside of marriage, and there's nothing wrong with it. That takes away for the reason why you get married in the first place. Uh, and that, I mean, sex is the base level for the reason to get married. If you weren't having sex before marriage, then you would get married so that you could have sex. Mm-hmm. 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 No doubt. Legally. Legally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going out of style. I mean, I think people still want to get married. The problem is that we're living in a culture where anything goes. So basically, a lot of a lot of young people are like, "Why well, get married? I I can I can sleep with all these people, and I, I, it doesn't matter. Nothing, the society doesn't even look down on it anymore. So why get married? I can do what I want. It, 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 there's more of a selfish attitude towards towards people, where marriage you can't really be selfish. You gotta you gotta you gotta sacrifice. A lot as far as marriage, but I, I do I don't think it's going out of style, but I think marriage is under attack big time um, because we mm-hmm. live in a society that is all about do what you want. You can have sex with whoever you want. How many doesn't matter. Just do it. Feels Absolutely. Good. In the sixties and seventies, uh, a woman that was pregnant and wasn't married was looked down upon. Whereas today, it's just a normal thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. uh, I, I think that's something that even the church has to, because I mean, when you look at the church and everything, I mean, you want you want to you want to include people, but at the same time you want to be able to say this is not right and stuff. But we're we've gone so far over to the right to where, basically, even a lot of churches are accepting certain behaviors that the church has never accepted before, and when everything is okay. Marriage is going to be under attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, well, and you know, I'm a, I'm, I want oh, to go ahead, an extra step with this one, um, mm-hmm. and I've said this for years that, um, and really, women kind of have done themselves in on this, and I'm not blaming them for the situation because men can do things differently and step step up when it comes to to marriages. But here's the problem that we have with with the feminist movement. Okay. Women can take care of themselves. They can secure themselves financially. They can do everything that a man can do, okay? Before, when women didn't have that, there was a reason for a man to be in that house because you needed his protection, you needed his provision, you needed all those things, okay? So now, wipe all of that away, and women can do whatever they want. And when a man can't define himself uh, in any other way, all he becomes is a sex tool. The only reason why he is necessary is, is to make babies and have fun. Okay, and so what happens is men sit down and they go, I ain't got to do nothing. I can be a lazy bum and still have sex. And a woman says, I don't need you. Mm. So, I mean, marriage doesn't mean it. I mean, really, where where is the meaning? Where is the meaning? I mean, let me, let me ask you more this. From women, I don't need a man, than from men, I don't need a woman. Well, it seems like, and this, to me this seems kind of ironic, um, in the information age, people are um, knowledgeable knowledgeable about a lot more things at a, at a far younger age, but it seems like people get mature a lot later. 
now than they did in the past. They can be wow. like a 29-year-old child, selfish child. Um, I think maturity offsets selfishness, and we know more, a lot of people are selfish for a lot longer nowadays, even though they know more. And that seems kind of ironic to me. You're still living home with mommy and daddy at 29. Mm. You know, that was a deep statement. I might have to think about that one. Mm-hmm. That's good. But what about that um, 50% divorce rate that everybody keeps talking about? What about it? What about it? Y'all think it's accurate? No. 50% divorce rate according to what? According to white, black, or Christian and non-believers, or just all together? All together. I think, I mean, it seems like it's just a made-up number to make marriage look bad or a made-up number because there's no way you can tell um, first time around marriage. I don't think if, if you get young or if you get too young, I think it might be a problem and you, you, you head it for the, the divorce courts before you even realize it. Um, but the second time around or the single people that got divorced and say, you know what, I'm going to wait for the right guy the first time. If you're just going to count all those marriages, then it would be a lot higher than 50, 50% because a lot of people get married and for the wrong reasons. And But the second time around, definitely, um, I think that – and they say it's, it's even higher the second time around. Well, when you throw kids in there and you ain't my mama and you ain't my daddy and stepkids and stepmamas, you know, you, it, I can see that too. But I don't – you can't put a number to that because um, cause that doesn't – that doesn't do the institution justice. And that's not saying that it's a wrong thing or a right thing, but that just doesn't do it justice. Because it's trying to, it's put out there to make it look like it's worse than what it is, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Anybody want to agree or disagree with that? I think there's a lot of people getting divorced. I, I don't, I, back in the day, you heard of a lot more people staying married through, you know, till they die. And people yeah. can even be getting divorced at 55 and 60 nowadays. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think that I think that, that if that number is correct, it's it comes down to the values. Because yeah. back in the day, you married, like it says in there, for better or for worse. Now, when things get bad, you know, people have seen, oh, well, things get bad, I can just quit. You know, I can quit anything. You know, they've seen that their whole life. They've seen, you know, they see it on TV. They see it in their homes. They see it, you know, everywhere. You know, back in the day, a man kept his job 30, 40 years. He retired from it. Now, you know, people quit. They, they Something gets hard, you quit. And marriage is hard. That's no joke. I mean, it is hard, but it's for better or for worse. And I think it's it goes back to the values and what you're willing to go through. I mean, if I if me and my wife go through some hard crap, you know what? It strengthens us. It strengthens us if we stick to it. But the problem is, a lot of people don't stick to it through the hard things. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And then, it, you know, after three or four years, you get divorced because the good times are gone. 
the lustful period's gone. You know, mm-hmm. the so-called honeymoon period is gone. Now you're into the whole, you know, the raising the kids, the the hard stuff, and okay, I'm out. I'm 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 dipping. This this ain't fun no more. And that mm-hmm. still alludes to immaturity. That still alludes to immaturity. People getting married too young, or people getting married for the wrong things. But when people realize what marriage is, you got to fall it back. You got to go back to you know what's the institution of marriage is created for? What was it designed to be? And if you go off of that, then it's easier for you to realize that you can't go anywhere when the times get hard. Uh, a lot of we got a lot of quitters, like we stated earlier. Uh, tonight we got a lot of quitters out here and only thing we have as examples in our family we look at our fathers especially if we black uh you know we look at our fathers and if he's around that's a good thing but if he's around and treating our mothers bad that's not that's that's not a good thing so that's going to lead our wives that we married hey if i can treat you like my daddy treated my mom my mom stayed there so you should too that's a that's a misconception and, and he going to have or the expectation that he gonna have his wife to to stay with him, even though he's treating her like her dad, his dad treated his mom. So when it comes down to maturity, once we get mature enough to say, okay, you know what, I'm gonna get married because the institution of marriage is based on biblical principles, and I'm getting married, do or die, we gonna to stay together, and I'm gonna treat you as Christ treated the church. Once we get back to those values, then it's gonna, mm-hmm. it's gonna be longer marriages. But you you mentioned a couple of times about people getting married too young. Uh, but you know what? People today are not getting married young. People back in our grandparents' age got married a lot younger than they get married today. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know? true. that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, people today are are not getting married at 17, 18, 19, 16 years old. But that's, no, you know, I that's what that. grandparents did. No, I mentioned that because that 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 contributes to the high divorce rate. When I got married young, I, I, if you get if you get married young, if you're one of those ones that get married young, then you headed for the divorce court. If you get married based on wait, sex, wait, 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 you headed for the divorce. What about your grandparents' age? They got married young and they weren't heading to the divorce court. So the age isn't just isn't the factor; it's the mentality. Well, it's I different agree. from when you're looking at grandparents. Got married we, back then. If a woman got to be 21 years old and she wasn't married. She was like an old maid. But in, in, in that time, too, at that time, too, Andrew, if you got married and you got 10 kids and your husband brought home another baby from another woman, you're going to stay married. If he knocked your head off, you're going to stay married. So it was just oh, a no, no, at man. that time. My husband brought home another baby. I wouldn't be married to him. No, I'm talking about grand, in your grandparents' age. <laughs> you didn't even catch what I said, did you? <laughs> what, what, did, what did you say? Well, let me let me add, let me add this let me add this to it. My, my my number one, my parents were twenty when they got married, um, and they're still married almost fifty years in. Uh, my wife's my my wife's mom and dad, same thing with them. Um, most of my most of my relatives uh, got married young and are still together. And of all of my friends from high school, I know about fifteen couples that got married to their high school sweethearts, and only one of them got a divorce. So I don't. I think it all has to do with that mentality. And to be honest with you, I think getting married early is better. And I'm gonna tell you the reason why. How many How many times have you heard men talk about their first love that they're no longer with? They can't get them off their minds. How many times have you heard that story? Okay. 
the thing about it is, is my son is with my son is with his first love. Okay, and it's, I, unless something happens, I hope he stays with this one. Okay, because I don't want him going through his life thinking and wondering what it would have been like had he stayed with his first love. I don't know. I had a first love, man, and she got off my mind real quick after she started doing all that crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, I think there's a difference between a first love and a first true love, too. You know, I thought I loved people a, lot, a long time. I was 20, no, wait, I was 32 years old before I actually found out what real love was. And then now, like, now that I've found this woman that I'm with, that I'm married to, like, that is the absolute truest love I've ever, you know, felt in my life. Mm. That's yeah, but a lot of us, a lot of us don't know that, and we get a good woman, and we go and 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 f up and lose them. You know, because mm-hmm. we don't we don't appreciate what we had until until we you know screw up, and 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 you know, with a woman, I'm gonna tell you what, they take a whole lot, but buddy, when they hit that point, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean. A woman will take a whole lot more than what a guy would ever take, but when they hit that point, I don't care what you do; it's over. Hey, Andrew, do you think that there's a um, a difference though from um, being in love? Like, I mean, if you was in love, wouldn't you know it while you were with her? I mean, as opposed to perhaps just recognizing that you missed out on a good thing, that doesn't necessarily mean love. Oh. I don't know. Um, I think um, I think we have a, a screwed up definition of what we think love is, uh, and I think that that goes back to we confuse love with lust, you know, and we don't understand what real love is, you know. Ooh, and yeah. we, most people think love is a feeling, and the problem is, <laughs> one day you're not gonna feel like loving her. She's not gonna now be lovable. Huh? Now you preaching the word. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. And see, that's that's where the biggest problem is. We don't understand what real love is, and love love isn't about a feeling. Love is a decision. You decide to love somebody because there, there's going to be days. <laughs> you know, marriage marriage is not for the weak. You know. Um, okay. So let let me piggyback on that. Love is also love is an action. Okay, love is an action in every way. There is nothing that takes away from the fact that love is an action. Love is a verb. Happy is an adjective. Love is a verb. It takes action. When God made us, it was an action. We were born. There's nothing that can take it away. It is irrevocable. And because it's irrevocable, it is unconditional. When we have children, same same thing. We we gave them life. We put life into their bodies uh, uh, by having them. Therefore, that is an unconditional type of love. So when you go into a marriage and you marry somebody and you put that ring on that finger and you stand in front of that 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 minister and you say to God, "This is my person. This is my wife." That is an unconditional love that has the feeling is the second part. You also hit something that's real important. You said about being happy. A lot of people think that they're supposed to be happy. 
And that's where they mess up. That's where they mess up. You know, when they're not feeling happy, then, you know, over whatever period of time, then they figure, I'm going to find somebody else that makes me happy. Or I can be miserable by myself. I don't need you to be here. Right. And the thing about it is, and that's why the the action is so important, because, you know, I, I went through a time when I, I did not feel it, you know, in my marriage. And I've been married almost 18 years, okay? But what I recognize is, is that I needed to act it. I needed to do things that was loving, and then the feeling would return, and that's exactly what I did. Whenever whenever the feeling is not there, you have to do the action so that the feeling will return. Well, how do you pull that off? What, do you, like, let your guard down? Eh, you know, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is like what he said. It's a conscious choice that you have to make. So... Uh, in, in my case, what it might have been, in my case, what it was was um, because my wife, my wife and I were at odds. I didn't feel like doing things like opening the door for her. I didn't feel like spending time with her. I didn't feel like going to the movies. I didn't feel like doing any of those things. But I know for her, that's how she felt love. So even though I didn't think, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it myself. And I couldn't, you surely couldn't say it. I couldn't say, you know what, I'm going to the movies with you, but I really don't want to go. You can't, you can't do that because you just, you just killed it, you know. So I would go to the movies, and I said to myself, I just need to go. I need to go. I need to hold her hand. I need to, I need to take her out to dinner and show her a good time. And the more I did it, eventually the feeling returned, and we was good. I think so. You're saying that you, you lost. You lost the feeling of love, but you still acted like you loved her. Why did you do that? Did you just care about her? Why did you still act like you loved her when you weren't feeling it at the time? Because he never he stopped not, loving her. He never stopped loving her. Don't get that twisted. Exactly. And the thing about it is, is in my spirit, my spirit understood what I needed to do. So, it's, and, and some people they they confuse what they think in their mind. Versus what their spirit thinks Those are two different things My spirit is what leads me Okay, my mind would tell me anything Okay, my mind would tell me I hate you Okay, okay. So my spirit is the one that says You can't act out of that feeling You need to do something else So my spirit told me That marriage was important Me being at home with my boys was important These things mean more to into to me Than my happiness right now so consequently, I need to act out of that. So I let my spirit lead me, and I fell back in love with my wife. You know, one of the things that's so important, I believe, is you've got to take divorce off the table. You've got to burn the bridge and, and no retreat. If, if divorce is off the table, that means there's no way out. So you're either going to be together and miserable or together and happy. And exactly. being miserable for the rest of your life sucks. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to figure out how to get through it. Like you said, we you know we have we I don't like doing these things because we're not agreeing on these things. But you you realize I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. So let's figure our way through this. Because you can you know like I said, there's days and there's, there's seasons in our life. I mean people people get it twisted where they think I'm supposed to be happy all the time, and it's just not the case. We have sad periods in our life. We have mourning periods in our life. We have joyous periods in our life. 
you know, but it's not all a happy thing. Oh yeah, and you know that 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 unconditional part of of uh, of love, that's the thing that brings you home at the end of the day, and it's the thing that that uh, that um, brings you joy in the midst of you going through something that's very bad. Okay, and what I mean by that is you can always go back to yourself and say, you know what, the last. Although the last two years of our marriage may not be good, the, the previous 15 years were great, and I'm going to hold on to those 15 years. I'm not letting go of those 15 years. You know, whatever, whatever uh, you know, happens that's temporary is not worth me giving up the 15 years we had. You know, and so that's the part that becomes unconditional. My wife has 18 years of experience of my life that no other woman has and no other woman could ever have. So am I willing to give that up? No. And start all over again. Exactly. And when you realize that there's nothing that, that another woman can, can give you that your wife can't, I mean, you know, after a while, it's like, okay, so let's make this work. We've got something. There's a difference between young love and mature love, you know, and when you start to develop a mature love, it's, it's so much more about that other person than just your needs being met. You, you know, for the, for the first time, I um, I've always heard people say that love uh, is an action word, but it's it, it it was clarified to me just in this dialogue. Um, it was just clarified to me. But then there's a second part. What what, is, what do you call the feeling? What is what is that? What I call the feeling, uh, you know, for me is that sense of enjoyment, that 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 happiness uh, that you have, that that sense of no, I really want to be here, you know, um, that that sense that everything is right in your world again, you know, um, that's that's the feeling. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Which, by the way, in the feeling is something that you can always, you can decide to have it or not. It is really your choice. It's not the other person's choice. It's your choice. Yeah, that's good. And uh, Andrew, you know, talked about taking divorce off the table, and I want to tie back to those um, divorce statistics a bit. Because I recently went to a one-day marriage conference, and they had a speaker there by the name of Shanti Feldhahn. And she actually has done extensive research, and she shared some stats that actually debunks the 50% divorce rate that everybody seems to pair it around. Um, Since there are many different ways to look at the divorce rate, in her research she found that 71% of women are still married to their first husband. And many of those women that aren't still married are widows simply because their husband died. So that's not a divorce. And this data was taken straight from the Census Bureau. So what are y'all what are y'all's thoughts? What are y'all's thoughts on these statistics? You know, why both the pro-marriage and anti-marriage crowd so quick to spread this misinformation, this misinformation and bad news. 
like like I said before, I think it's just to give marriage a bad rap to prevent people from from going there or put it in their mind and planting the seed that it's not going to last in the first place. So uh, I totally agree with her because I can make up a number and pull it out of my behind right now and then and start spreading it and propaganda like like Hitler said. You know, you put it on if you put it on uh, if you put it on the news, everybody going to believe it. That makes it true. So uh, so if everybody keeps throwing around 50% divorce rate, then it, it just makes it true just by, you know, by hearing it. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, you, you don't have no, you don't have no, you don't have no comeback. You don't have no proof that they're telling a lie. You know, so what are you going to go by? You don't have no correct census. If you're going to go by fifty percent divorce rate, that means you got to ask every married person how many times they've been married or divorced, or are they married or, and divorced. So that's that's not accurate at all, and neither is what she's saying, probably. And as a matter of fact, when you get a marriage license, they don't even ask you uh, were you married or how many times you were married before. Right. So I don't know how they get these numbers and how they keep how they keep it accurate now, unless you're going to ask. If you say it makes it more accurate to say out of a thousand people living in Washington D.C. that was asked to do a survey, then A, B, C, D. You know, you get you get more accurate from that than you, or and you can break it down to environmentals. Uh, you know, a thousand people asked if they were married that's living in the ghettos of Washington D.C. I guarantee you that number was going to be different than the. Uh, uh, Waldorf suburbia. If you ask a thousand people in Waldorf, hmm. yeah, and I want to go back. I got another monkey wrench. Um, the brother was talking about the spirit is what leads him. Is that what he said? Yes. Just making sure. So, here's my monkey wrench. When it comes to marriage, in your opinion, do y'all think that God and or religion has more of an influence on a married white man or married black man? Oh, Lord. In your opinion, hey, everybody, as the brother said earlier, everybody's got an opinion. So in your opinion, do you think that God and or religion has more of an influence on the married white man or the married black man? Uh, I don't think it matters the color on this particular issue. The question is whether or not God is or has an influence at all or not. Oh, good words. That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Well, that's that settles that. <laughs> well, let's well, see. Uh, let's ask this question then: um, <clears throat> Are black people typically more um, spiritual than white people? Oh, huh? you want to worry? Ask the white guys about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I think gone. just from the slavery um, era, uh, it's just been a um, a historical thing that black people typically are more. I, I guess if you were to ask the population-wise, typically, percentage-wise, are more spiritual than, than white people. 
But I don't know if that has any influence on a person not getting a, a divorce. I think the black church has more of an influence in the black community than the white church has in the white community. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that the black the, the, the black people have have to be uh because of all the things that they mostly go through more than white men. I mean uh, I think we have to be more spiritually grounded uh in order to get us from A to Z than white men because of already the dis the disadvantage we have when we enter certain things. You know, when we enter certain job fields or when we enter uh, certain uh, communities. I think we really have to be spiritually grounded in order to to become successful because we can't do it on our own. I mean, no one can do it on their own, but we we definitely um, can't do it on our own. I think there's, there's, there's more white men in church with their wives than black men in church with their wives. <laughs> I would I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Wow. <laughs> Does anybody want to uh, agree with that? Yeah, I, I don't know about that no. one, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna tell you I'm I'm a I'm a minister at a church. I'm a, an associate minister at a church. And uh there are so many more white men that are active. Now, I go to a diverse church. Our church is about 50-50. And in church leadership, I am the only black guy uh, that is part of church leadership. Yet there are plenty of black men that go to our church. Um, Now, there are a lot of black single women that go to our church, and it's a whole lot more of them than it is single white women. That's my point. Wow. Wow! I hate to, I hate to indict the black man, but uh, I'm sorry. This is, I, but you, I hate but to, you, I you just you just made a you just made a you just made a confusing statement. You said there are plenty of black men to go to your church. However, a lot of them are not on the ministries. So, if there are plenty of black men that go to your church, then that doesn't mean that the black men are not in church. They're just not with those black women that you see that single. Yeah, but at the same time. I very rarely do I see a single white woman. I don't see single women. Most of the white women that go to our church are married. But can you can can you do this? Can you can you can you sum it up? And I know you don't know every, all their business, but can you sum it up to say that black women will tolerate less mess from their men than white women are willing to tolerate from their men? What I will what I will say is I've heard that a thousand times, and that if if you hear it a thousand times, there must be some some truth to it. So uh, yeah, I, w- I would say there's probably some truth to that. <laughs> so 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 then now let's look at the statistics of your church again. All of those white women that's with their white husbands, do you think that their white husbands got a side piece? Oh man, you digging hard. <laughs> Um. Wow. Um. You know. Well, let me just say this: we're making a lot of general assumptions. Um. And I don't know if I can necessarily go with that one. I think um, when it comes to infidelity and and that kind of thing, 
Um, I pretty much has, from what I've seen in ministry, it's pretty much across the board. They, they everybody does that kind of thing. Okay, so let me, you, you remember um, what was his name? Donald Sterling that had the basketball team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay, his girlfriend put him on a put him on blast, right? Yep. But his wife his wife came out and said, "I'm suing her for the defamation of character of me." <laughs> so, so she already <laughs> knew about the girlfriend. Now I'm saying that because in most cases, I, I, I got I got uh, quite a few white friends, and and when we're talking about relationship. And we act, and I asked them, you know, lightweight conversation about um, what would their wife do if they were to if they was to have a girlfriend on the side. It was like she wouldn't do anything. And then they start talking about their previous relationship with their side pieces and why they got rid of them. So you know, and go ahead. I, I think that what, what you're hitting on is really there is a there probably is a strong case to be made that there is a cultural difference between white women and black women in terms of how they they view relationships, how they view cheating. Um, in fact, uh, the first black guy that ever told me this story, what he this is these were his exact words: a black woman wants to know where you are, a white woman wants to know where your money is. Mm. Wow. Now, I'm not, these are not these are not my these are not my words. Now I'm not. Yeah. This is not what I'm saying. But what what I am saying is is that I have heard multiple times from different people that the way black women approach relationships and cheating is way different than the way white women do. I, but I'm right. just telling you what I'm. Okay. True. So could that be could that be part of your account that when you look around your church you see a lot of single black women that didn't tolerate the bullcrap that the the men, their men, were trying to pull on, pull over on them, or uh, it could that just be a coincidence? No, that could be that could very well be the case. Okay, uh, you know, but I, I really think that white men um, are programmed to, you know, sow their wild oats and then find a woman, settle down, and get married. Where most black men are not taught that. I mean, white white men are, are are you know programmed to look for a woman to bring home. I, you I think agree that, that. You think that white men are programmed to bring a woman home? Yeah, to 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 you know to bring that woman and and have the marriage, have the wedding, and 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 you know live the quote unquote you know American dream. Well, I don't think a uh, black man as a whole aren't aren't. Out there looking for that, it, you know. Do you think it actually mirror the fact that white people are programmed to go to college after high school more so than that's black people? Right, that's what I was about to ask as well. I mean, but 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 you but you also got to add this in uh, this caveat in as well, Andrew. Uh, if they're if they're um, if they're taught to bring a woman home and and marry her and all these other things. Aren't they also taught that hey, you can cheat on her and it shouldn't be any consequence? You just got to train her right. I think white women will take a lot more than the sister will take. Okay. Hey, Darren, where do you get that from? Because I've heard you say that a few times over some calls. That it sounds it sounds to me like you believe white men cheat and just keep the marriage together. Yes, I do believe that. I I definitely believe that. 
I believe but I, that I, I think it's because the women, the women aren't programmed to say, you know, I'm kicking you to the curb. I think the the, the women think that you know the, the the marriage is more valuable than what a black woman will look at, and a black woman look like you know you just a piece of meat. You can be replaced. All all I'm doing is paying your bills anyway. You think that a, a, a black woman takes the um, the prenuptials far more serious than a white woman? A black woman ain't gonna have a prenuptial because he ain't gonna have nothing. To I'm, not, I'm, I'm sorry, not the prenup, <laughs> but the but the nuptials, the actual agreement about y'all two together, you know, for life. You, you know, I think a lot of black women serious? were raised by single black women that have told them, "Girl, you got to take care of yourself. You got to look out for you." You know, this is a very, very interesting uh, conversation, and it speaks a lot about how we were raised. And I'm, I'm going to go slightly off the subject and come back to it. I read an article recently about uh, about the Adrian Peterson case, and uh, the case that the writer was making was that black folks, are, are, are we are spanked and we are disciplined in order to pacify us, to make us fall in line, and make sure that we yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am so we stay out of trouble. Um, whereas white kids are allowed to run around do whatever they want to because the world is theirs for the taking. Okay, and so the the, the point was to say that we were raised one way to think one thing, and white folks are typically raised a different way. And this is the reason why um, we we have a hard time reaching the pinnacles that that some white folks have. So I'm, I'm bringing this back to marriage because it, it sounds like it's the same thing, that we were raised to think one way about marriage and uh, people of other cultures were raised to think something different about marriage. Um, and, and maybe marriage doesn't have the same value placed on it in the black community. Now, I don't know that to be true, but, you know, it sounds like you can make that case that, that maybe we don't, and I, I need to think about that. Well, how about this? Maybe it's not so much that we're taught to think differently about marriage as much as by the time we get old, we're different. Because of what you just described, which I I can't argue with that, that, that you know, black people are spanked and kind of beat into, uh, you know what I mean, a particular, you know, try to be controlled through spanking, whereas white people not so much. And perhaps by the time, you know, you get old, we're different. And it's not so much that we're taught differently about marriage, it's that we are literally just different thinking people. Well, you know, this is this is a, this is uh yeah, I'm I'm gonna, I'm really gonna have to think about this one. But I would I would say, you know, from my experience, I, I come from a very large family. Um I have I have about a thousand living relatives. Um so I I know third, fourth, fifth cousins. Um, and a lot of the people in my family come, have very successful marriages, um, and their children have had successful marriages. And so I grew up with this view that marriage was great and wonderful. But I can admit that I am not—I'm not the stereotypical person as it relates to that. But um, I'm just having—I I just wasn't raised with thinking that there was anything wrong with marriage. Marriage was beautiful. I've always—I grew up with that. Yeah, let me let me let me jump in here and, and, and ask you a question. Um 
brother that's that's speaking. And you say you were associate minister or something? Yes. Okay. Now, we've been talking about the other side of marriage. But do you think that there will be marriage in heaven? Do you think that once you and your wife pass from this life, that you'll be married on the other side? Uh, no. Um, my, my, and, and, you know, there's not much I can say biblically about what is on the other side. What I will, what I will say is I think we're all one. Uh, when we go to the other side, so there is no such thing as marriage. We all one in the spirit, so um, I don't think that there's any indication. But whatever I whatever I experience in this life will carry forth in my next life. So whatever I feel now, I, I will probably have the same spiritual feeling when I when I pass on. Well, the Bible says there won't be marriage in heaven. Yeah, no, and the thing about it is, is I mean, none of us has been, have been there, so that's why I kind of leave it blank because I, I, I don't know anybody who's been there and came back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, along those lines—that's good words, brother. I mean, but along those lines, fellas, um, does anybody know why God established marriage in the first place? What was the purpose? Well, that's another—that's another topic by itself. If you want to try to get an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna have to keep it brief, brother. Keep it brief. What was the purpose? Why did God establish marriage in the first place? Briefly. <laughs> okay. pro- well, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, God established marriage as a way of recreating His salvation for us. We we are constantly doing exactly what He did for us in the beginning, from creation. So that's why we get together and we have children that we have to raise up to teach them how to how to follow and obey and to to uh, have a vision for their lives and to do great things. These are the same things that God wanted for us. So all we're doing is, is duplicating what he did for us. It, it helps us to understand why God did everything that he did. I mean, you don't understand forgiveness until you have to forgive your, your spouse. You don't really understand it. You don't understand repenting until you had to apologize to a spouse. You don't really understand it. See, the thing about it is between us and our parents and between us and our children, it is a parental relationship that is, Tied to the bloodline, to the fact that I raised you or you raised me, it's fairly simple. But when you're having to deal with somebody who is not connected to you in that way, trying to apologize to that person has a different weight. Forgiveness has a different weight. Grace has a different weight. You don't really understand it until you marry. Say that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I say it like this marriage is the. I think it's the only thing that you can experience on in this life that puts you in the same posture as Jesus Christ as a male. Yeah. Yeah, and the brother did hit on one of the reasons um you know God created marriage in the first place. God established marriage um you know true you know God established marriage for procreation. Um and also, he established marriage because 
Adam was lonely and needed a companion. So that's basically the two reasons that I can think of why God established marriage. But final question, fellas, before we flip it to open mic. Final question. Final question. Is the Married Men Don't Talk show for white people? <laughs> I say yeah because they're married and they're men. Okay. But, Malcolm, why do you think that, you know, tonight was a little different? But why do you think that we tend to have a solid majority of black men, married or not, on this show week after week after week? If it's if it's like you said, if it's you know for white men too, because we talk and think differently. It kind of goes down to, back to that cultural separation. Okay. Anybody else got anything on that? Well, it's definitely not. It's definitely not for one or the other. Marriage is marriage is for everybody. Um, I would I would say this though. Oh no, I ain't gonna even jump into that. I'll I'll say that for (laughs) now. Let's just say you can save it for open mic. You can save it for open mic. Go ahead. Mm. Yeah, and you know, um. Going back to the article that I started with, um, one woman that was referenced in the article said this, and I quote, if it weren't for the intangibles, the allure of the lovey-dovey stuff, I would not have gotten married. The benefits of the benefits of marriage are his character and his caring. If not for that, why bother? So as you brother stated, um, you know, marriage, as the brother just stated, you know, marriage is for everybody, you know, no matter the race. So I'm glad we ironed that out. So don't go nowhere. We're going to flip this thing over to open mic. 